Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of The Articulate Fly. On this episode, I'm joined by Nils Peterson, owner of West Fork Anglers. Nils shares his fly fishing and music journey, and we discuss his work with the Mayfly Project. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. But before we get to the interview, just a couple of housekeeping items. If you like the podcast, please tell a friend and please subscribe and leave us a rating and review in the podcatcher of your choice. It really helps us out. And a shout out to this episode's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Artisan Angler. If you're looking for a better way to organize your flies, tippet, and tools, you should check out the fly trap at artisananglerllc.com. I've dropped the link in the show notes. They sell direct through Amazon, so you get prime shipping and free returns. It doesn't get any easier than that. Make your time on the water more productive and check out the fly trap today. And we've received several listener questions asking about the best way to support the show. In addition to subscribing in the podcatcher of your choice and leaving us a review, you can also support the show by using our affiliate link when you shop on Amazon. It doesn't cost you a thing, and we receive a small commission on your purchases. You can also become a Patreon patron and make a single or recurring donation. Links to both of these options are in the show notes. There wouldn't be a show without listeners like you, and we appreciate your support more than you know. Now, on to our interview. Well, Nils, welcome to the Articulate Fly. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to our conversation, and we have a tradition on the Articulate Fly. We like to ask all of our guests to share their earliest fishing memory. Uh, so, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I thought uh, a little bit about this because I'd listened to some others here. Uh, you know, uh, I got so many fishing memories, but kind of the earliest one, I think the the ones that had the most impact on me is as an angler uh were walking uh two two different uh kind of times where i was walking with my dad um uh in my family uh one was walking the docks of the oregon inlet fishing center at cape Hatteras, uh and looking at the day's catch and um you know i was probably three or four years old and uh, I can just remember seeing these huge fish laid out. I have no idea what, what kind of fish they were, but I just thought it was really awesome. And uh, the other would have been walking next to him in the surf as he learned uh, to fish in the surf uh, for whatever there was, and uh, which became an obsession of mine as I got older and wanted to be a better angler than my brother. Um, so, uh, and all, and fishing also became a babysitter for me at that age. So, um, those are some of my earliest ones. Yeah, very, very neat. When did you come to the dark side of fly fishing? Oh, the dark side. So <clears throat> that kind of, uh, that, that kind of happened for me when my parents moved from Western North Carolina, uh, Western Kentucky rather to, uh, Western North Carolina. And they built a house on a trout stream. That was about 1985. Um, and uh, I'd never seen a trout before. I'd only seen them on TV. Like, I definitely uh, watched Kurt Gowdy and Joe Brooks fish somewhere together. Um, and uh, so uh, I was always enamored and fascinated by trout and trout fishing and fly fishing. And uh, my dad had this bamboo uh, fishing rod that was given to him as a wedding gift. Uh, and it sat in our closet for forever. And, you know, um, I decided we were going to try fly fishing then. And so I got, went and bought a reel and some other stuff at one of our local little shops and, uh, you know, tried my best to catch a trout in 1986, five or six. 
And uh, it didn't really happen until after college um, in about 1990. Uh, interesting. And, uh, you know, who are some of the folks that mentored you on your fly fishing journey and what did they teach you? Mm. Well, so really I had these two guys named Bill. Um, and this is, this is kind of a long story and I'll try to keep it as short as I can. But, um, so in 1990, I graduated from college and I moved back to the black mountain and Montreat area. And, uh, I went to work for this guy named Bill Harkness and Bill owned a, a drinking establishment called, uh, the town pump in, on Cherry street in black mountain. And I'd known Bill, um, I had been in a band and uh, I had played music in his bar. I played open mic nights at his bar and I'd snuck in there to see other people when I was underage. Um, and uh, Bill asked me if I needed a job and I told him yes. Um, and probably, you know, a month or so into it, Bill asked me if I wanted to go try fly fishing. And uh, he took me out for my first fly fishing trip. Um, and Bill really was kind of a key mentor for me. Um, he, uh, uh, you know, he told me all kinds of stuff, not only everything about small stream fly fishing, but Bill, I would say is probably one of the foremost unknown tight line anglers on the earth because we were doing tight line angling and tight line nymphing and basically check nymphing, I think before it was invented, but I could be wrong about that. But about, about 1990 or so, we were using a really heavy fly and tight lining it through holes in small streams, um, which was really cool to me. Um, and I just loved being out in the woods. And uh, Bill taught me fly tying, and he taught me a thing or two just about, you know, being out in the woods, woods uh, fishing. And you know, uh, he showed me places where I could go work a little harder and get to some really awesome spots to fish that nobody knew about. So some days that might have been. Um, uh, crawling on your belly through rhododendrons for 45 minutes to get to one little creek <laughs> that ran off of Mount Mitchell somewhere. Um, and uh, sometimes that meant you crawl back out the same way. And so uh, that was just incredibly awesome. And then the other guy whose name was also Bill, his name was Bill Noonan. And Bill's uh, a guitar player and been on the music scene in Charlotte for a long time. He was heavy in the music scene in Black Mountain then, played music at the bar. I sat in with Bill's band a little bit here and there, but Bill was also along on a lot of those ventures, uh, adventures with, with Bill Harkness. And so um, those guys just, you know, uh, Bill Harkness mentored Bill Noonan and Bill Noonan mentored me. And then, you know, it's this big circle of this just awesome, like sharing of information and camaraderie and having some good times together on the water. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, fast forward a little bit, and now you own your own guide service, West Fort Anglers. Mm -hmm. When did you get the guide bug? Well, so, um, wow, this is, there's so many uh, good questions here, Marvin. Uh, so really about 1996 or seven, that's a little blurry to me. Um, when I moved to Boone, um, basically, um, I went to move to Boone to work for the Wildlife Resources Commission. Um, I was doing some angler surveys or creel surveys for them at the time and was on a one-year contract. And, uh, you know, uh, I talked to anglers all day long. <laughs> and some of them would ask me where the fish were. And I wasn't supposed to tell them, but I wound up <laughs> helping them out more than anything. Um, and uh, which, uh, you know, 
that's really when I got kind of the bug, if you want to call it a bug. But the desire to help people out was certainly there for me in about 1996. Yeah, very, very neat. And so how did you break into the guide game? Well, kind of that same year, uh, you know, since I talked to so many anglers, I also talked to fly shops. And so I was kind of a friend of the fly shop that I went to work for. And when my gig with the state was over that year, um, you know, they kind of said, hey, would you like to come work in the shop and do a few way trips? And, you know, the next thing I know, I'm buying a raft and, you know, <laughs> I'm rowing down the river and, you know, it's, uh, it became, it became something different. And also, uh, about the third week I worked in the shop, I met my wife. And so, um, and I didn't know it then, but I was going to get married to her about a year and a half, maybe almost two years later. So, um, pretty neat there. Um, you know, um, pretty neat way to meet your wife on a guide trip and through the fly shop. Yeah. You're actually the second person I know that that happened to. Who were you guiding for out yeah. in Boone? So that was a uh, Fosco fishing. Uh, we were uh, an Orvis shop then. Um, I think they still are now. Um, but um, we were, um, uh, there were three of us there that were guiding and um, just super fun um, and still friends with them all, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, super neat. And so who are some of the folks that mentored you on your guide journey and uh, what, yes. they, yeah, what they teach you? Yeah, sorry. Uh, um, so my friend Ollie Smith, really, I, I can kind of count to Ollie for mentoring me both times that I became a guide in my life because I did leave the business for 10 or 12 years. Um, but Ollie, you know, was encouraging to me, um, you know, lots about teaching style and just helping me and encouraging me to develop my own teaching style. And, um, and some of that is just talking to people, right? <laughs> so, uh, and, and just, you know, relaxing and being yourself, uh, I think were huge kind of milestones for me, uh, which helped my trips go better, which helped me, you know, just be a better guide to other people coming on, on the boat or on way trips. Uh, and, uh, you know, Ollie really, you know, Ollie's kind of an icon in North Carolina fly fishing. Um, if, uh, anyone listening hasn't ever met or heard of Ollie, I'm sure you're Googling him right now. He's been on every day, every, uh, Carolina outdoor journal about fly fishing, just about that, that Joe Alba's ever done. So, um, pretty amazing guy. And just, you know, you know, not only, uh, does he as a mentor have the ability to, you know, uh, help you break stuff down and, you know, become better, but he also has the ability to give you a bunch of, a bunch of grief about stuff. And, you know, and that becomes a mutual grief giving, uh, which is a lot of fun. So we have this back and forth even today. That's still pretty awesome. Uh, <laughs> and sometimes it's between boats on the river, you know, I'm on my trip, he's on his trip and we're you know, giving it back and forth and we sound like an old married couple. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty but, neat. Uh, pretty neat. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And so, yeah. so tell me a little bit about your guide service. So we, um, my wife and I, Isabel started West Fork Anglers about 10 years ago, about 2012, um, when I was looking to exit the building and woodworking business and uh, to do something different with my life. <clears throat> uh, and so um, I kind of started back really because Ollie Smith called me. <laughs> uh, he said, hey, man, I need some help with a trip. Would you please come help me? And I, of course, told him I would. And um, it went well for me. And I 
kind of saw, if you will, the light at the end of the tunnel and where I could go and where I could head and really where I wanted to be. And so, you know, 10 years ago, um, till now it's been a great journey with some people. Um, we, you know, I'm on the water full time now, which is really wonderful and just really love being connected to the resource that I got in. And, um, it's a, it's a pretty, it's just an awesome thing. Um, and, um, we love it a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And so you're guiding, uh, you know, what, probably around the Watauga, what are some of the other drainages that you like to fish? Yeah. So we're, uh, you know, uh, guiding from the headwaters of the Watauga river all the way down into East Tennessee on the tailwaters. Um, we're guiding on the South Holston river. Um, and, um, as many different styles of fishing we can do over there. So, I do tight line nymphing some on small streams with people. Um, and then of course, just, you know, regular fly fishing, uh, out of our drift boat, um, on both tailwaters over there. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, we have some great water to offer people over there. Yeah, very neat. And so tell me a little bit about, uh, what a, what a day on the water with you is like and kind of how your program is different and it's not different, good or bad. It's just different from what other people do. So, I mean, I think I, I've approached my job as a guide much like a teacher approaches a student, right? So, um, you know, I want to make sure, number one, that you're comfortable with everything because there's so many moving parts in fly fishing um, that, you know, I kind of break it down for people at the beginning of the day, you know, what the day is going to be like. And I don't sugarcoat anything. So if you ask me how the fishing is, I'm going to actually tell you how the fishing is, uh, you know. Or, hey, you're either going to work for your fish or it's going to be pretty easy. Um, but, uh, you know, usually when you say it's pretty easy, it becomes pretty hard. So, um, anyhow, so, you know, I, I kind of go over the conditions for the day with people. We meet pretty early. Uh, we're going to get to the water early most days. Uh, sometimes we get to see some sort of sunrise on the river, which is really neat. Um, and then we just kind of break it down wherever you're at. I like to figure out what your skill set is where you fish you may have fished with another guy that i know so like to get to know you on, while we're kind of going through some of the basics beginnings of the day rigging rods and stuff like that and then we get to we get to the section of water we're fishing and we get we get fishing um i do a really nice lunch for people um and uh and as the day progresses marvin what i hope to do with someone is you know, I break kind of what we're working on down and then I build upon it for the rest of the day. And so it is a complete, it's a, I want to call it a complete package. That sounds a little weird, but it's a complete uh, kind of uh, breaking down and building back up of, of what we have to accomplish for the day, which is hopefully catching a few fish, but also learning a lot of stuff. So I cover stuff from entomology to rig changes to, you know, uh, water changes, flow changes, all that kind of stuff. And really, hopefully people kind of soak all of it in. Um, and, uh, and at the end of the day, you know, I hope that you've had, um, uh, some foundation and been given some confidence and encouragement to be fishing on your own, uh, in your favorite water or a different spot, or even in the same spot we fished the day. Um, that's kind of my goal. If that's different, I don't really know what other people do. So <laughs> hopefully that's a little bit different, right? You know, um, but I mean, I just, I just really try to approach it, um, uh, 
you know, where I am connected to this resource in a way that's kind of deep and meaningful. And I would like you to have that energy channel to you. I know that sounds a little bit hokey, but, you know, there is a connection that guides have with their resource. And I want to share that connection, that deep connection that, and it has to do with fly fishing as well. Fly fishing is intertwined in that. You know, I want you to experience what I experience every day through uh, just all the gifts that I've been given from the river. Yeah, it's very neat, too, because, you know, that's the to me is the huge advantage. Like even if you're like an expert angler, if you go fish different water and you've got someone who's out there, you know, full time like you are, you know, that river is mm. never the same. Right. Ever. Right. And just to, right. and just to know, you know, what's going on and, you know, and to really make it, you know, so much easier to, to get on fish. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. And, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, uh, I try to have the water dialed in before you get there <laughs> that, I mean, in the perfect world. Right. But <laughs> that doesn't always happen. So sometimes we're dialing in together. It's, you know, real time and, it, and conditions change all the time. And so, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing that, uh, you know, we face from day to day is like, Hey, these little changes, like, you know, we had great sun for the morning today. And then, uh, for the rest of the afternoon, it got a little bit cloudy. And when the sun was straight on the water, we did really good. But when it got, when we had the sun that was broken by the clouds, we just didn't do very good. So, um, it was just a different day. So, yeah, it's super interesting. And tell, tell me a little bit, I know you're guiding year round, you know, what does the arc Mm -hmm. of your guide season kind of look like? And then we can start now, like for me, fall is one of my favorite times to be on the water. Sure. Sure. You know, we are, we are, we are fishing, you know, right now as many days as we can book um, because there's going to come a day when we're kind of slow. But, you know, we are, you know, we're in that kind of fall fishing season where the brown trout are getting ready to spawn. Um, And that's really fun. Um, If we could get some rain, that would help everything out. But, uh, you know, fall is a great time to be on the water. You do have to be prepared for layers. So, you know, we are, we are fishing some days and uh, pretty cold in the morning, starting in the 30s, 20s, and then winding up in the 60s in the afternoon. It's pretty great. And uh, we'll move into January and February where we get a little bit slower after the holidays. Um, you know, we'll stu- I still do trips. Um, I don't hold anybody to a day. We kind of wait and see what the weather's going to do. And, uh, you know, if it's snowing six inches at my house here in Linville, we're, we're not going to the river. So, uh, you know, January, February, we get kind of our, our nastier weather. And then we get around to March and, uh, we start getting some bugs on the water. Um, uh, you starting with some blue wing olives actually through the, the, the winter time, but also in March we'll have some blue wings and then great caddis hatches in April and all the way into May with some sulfur hatches starting. And um, then we're kind of into the thick of, you know, a little bit of dry fly fishing, but mainly nymph fishing for the, for the summer. And then kind of turn around back into the fall, late September, you know, where we're uh, back to uh, maybe a few, a few bugs on the water. And then, um, and then kind of back to where we are today, which is almost, I guess it's November first i guess today so you know we're we're almost almost to that point where um people are kind of starting to not think about fishing anymore but it's it's actually when it gets really good for um uh quite uh, about six or eight weeks here it's going to be pretty good 
Um, so yeah, it's funny you say that because I like it when it's not crowded. <laughs> right, right, right. We all like like so. I was on the river today. There were like three boats. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's it's when I like being out there, and uh, you know, I don't mind having my my 25 or 30 best friends on the water. Cause I try to be super respectful of all those guys. And I like meeting, meeting new people and being around other people, but it's nice to have, have it to yourself to some extent. Yeah. I'm kind of one of those guys that'll drive from Charlotte to Brevard to fish the Davidson in the wintertime when it's 38 or 42 mm-hmm. degrees and it's raining. Mm-hmm. Cause I know I'm going to have my run of the run of the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go wherever you want to. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things I always like to do when I have guides on the podcast is to ask them, you know, what they think the, uh, the secret is to being a good guide. Hmm. Well, there, I think there are lots of secrets, (laughs) uh, but I think the main one for me is I try to stay humble and I try to be present with people. Um, being humble for me means, you know, I don't take anything for granted. Um, I just, you know, the fishing was good yesterday, but that doesn't mean it's going to be good tomorrow. And so how am I going to deal with that? You know, and, you know, nobody likes having a slow day of fishing, but, you know, you're going to have them. And so you just have to kind of be humble and know that you're going to, that's going to happen to you. Um, And then being present with people, I think is, um, you know, just listening to your customers and getting to know them and, um, that's one of my secrets to success is taking care of people and knowing about them and, um, really just being there with them. You know, sometimes, you know, you lose a nice fish, you know, you don't just pat them on the back and get going again. Sometimes you're just quiet in the boat and then you process together. So, um, humble and present. Those are my two answers. Yeah. Very neat. And a kind of a related question is always like to, to mm-hmm. learn, Kind of what guides think the biggest misconception folks have about the life of a fishing guide is. Mm. Wow. Well, there are a lot, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, I mean, there are a lot, you know, um, I think, uh, I mean, for me, you know, I think a big misconception is, is that, you know, I don't have it all together. Um, you know, when I show up for a trip, I, I'm turned on like, so I'm ready to be your entertainer for the day and you're, you know, to serve your lunch and to be kind of, you know, your hospitality person for the day. And I'm, you know, branded up in a clean shirt and a clean pair of pants and I might have shaved, you know, but I look nice, but that doesn't mean that I have it all together (laughs) and the boat looks nice and the truck's clean, you know, that's great. But I'm still wondering, you know, I might be recovering from yesterday where I had a slow day. And so, you know, uh, you know, I think that, you know, I don't have it all together and I'm not perfect and, uh, I can't make the fish eat. <laughs> I wish I could, but, you know, uh, I mean, I think that's a, a big misconception though, is that, you know, we have, uh, and not having it all together means that I have a messy life here at home. You know, I have two children, I have a wife, I have a crazy dog, you know, I have all that going on. And so some days, you know, I get to the river after, you know, I've had to walk my dog a mile so that she'll, you know, take care of her business before I leave her for eight hours if there's nobody here at home. Uh, and some days, you know, I, I've left without doing something for my wife and I feel bad about it. And I get to the get to my trip and I, you know, have got to kind of turn my personality on to come meet somebody new. And so, you know, it's, it's, we're, we're not as good looking and as clean as we, as we appear to be, 
<laughs> I guess. Yeah, fair enough. And, you know, rumor rumor on the street is that you were a rock star before you started guiding. You want to tell us a little bit about your music career? Oh, man. Well, so, I mean, so it was a short one. Um, but uh, I started playing guitar in college. Um, I just I used to sneak into the town pump when I was when I was younger underage uh and listened to guys play blues and all kinds of stuff and i just loved watching people play guitar and so i wanted to learn and it also was a great way for me to get my gpa up which which i needed some help with and uh so i started playing guitar and you know uh wound up doing some open mic nights a few summers while i was at home and i had a, a kid that, uh, whose family stayed down the street and we decided we would start a, start a band one summer while we were working together and so we started playing music uh, in downtown Black Mountain, uh, either at uh, McDibbs or at the Gray Eagle or at the Town Pump. And, um, you know, that's just kind of how it started. And we we uh, we played around town a little bit and played a few gigs at weddings. I traveled to a couple of fraternity parties to play, but that was really about it. Um, and uh, it uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, I was a, I was a musician before I was a fly fisherman. And, uh, uh, you know, it, uh, they kind of go together just a little bit, like, and this is uh, maybe another question you'll have for me here in a second, but you know, that it really kind of, um, when I became a fly fisherman and a musician, like the lifestyle fit, because I could go make some money playing music at night and go fish the next day. It's pretty awesome. Um, and uh, sometimes my friend Bill Noonan would be playing down the street at the town pump and I'd be playing up the street at McDibbs. And we would switch with each other on breaks. And so <laughs> I'd go look at him while I was on break and he'd come look at me while I was on break. It was kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting too. Cause I mean, to your point, there are a lot of musical people in fly fishing. I mean, I like the number mm -hmm. of people I know that like play bluegrass or, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, or like Skip Morris was a jazz guitarist. I mean, it's kind of interesting right. mm -hmm. that there, yep. you find so many musicians, you have any kind of thoughts about why that might be the case? Well, you know, it's, they're both art forms, and so I, I think that you know there's a there's a sense of uh, you know having some expression uh, in both both the places through fly tying and fly casting, and also in learning music and playing music. Um, for me, kind of where you know where it uh, where the two kind of merge for me is that when I used to play live music. Um, you know, the, there's a little bit of a kind of nervous energy at the beginning of the gig, right? Where you're kind of not necessarily pacing, but you know, you're excited about what's going to happen. And you get to the, you know, you kind of get that pit in your stomach until you play the first song and you get the first song done. And, you know, the crowd, you're starting to feel off some, feed off some of that energy from the crowd, right? And then, and then you get the second song done and you just, it, then you get into this groove where you are, um, performing for people and that energy from the crowd is coming back to you. And it's just really just kind of awesome thing. And similar things happen uh, for me, Marvin, when I guide people. So I had that nervous energy, that same kind of feeling before I start a trip with people. And then, you know, we might get a couple of fish to the boat and it starts to get easier for me. And, you know, I get relaxed. The people get relaxed. That energy flows in the boat. It's just awesome. And we have a great time. People laugh at my jokes. That's the one time people actually will laugh, laugh at my jokes. Um, and then, you know, 
See, I got you laughing. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, the, so there's similarities between the two for me. Like that's where I, where I kind of hit that kind of sweet spot is that they're both, you know, I, I'm not going to tell you that guiding is a performance, but that, but it is almost like a performance in the fact that that energy level is there some days. Um, if that makes any sense, it may not make any sense at all. No, I, I get it. Right. Cause I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it, as an angler in a boat with a guy, I'm kind of nervous too. Right. Cause I always like, right. you know, my, um, I always look at it like, I think of myself as try, I, well, I try to be an extension of the guide, right? So I want to do what I'm told, mm-hmm. right? Sure. And sure. sometimes sure. that works better. And, you know, sometimes you either catch a fish or you have a boat beer or something and you kind of get that worked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, so if you weren't busy enough, you're also the program lead for the Mayfly Project in Boone. And, you know, some folks may not have heard of the Mayfly Project. You want to kind of let folks know kind of what the national program is? Right. So, um, the Mayfly Project is a 5013C that is in a lot of states. <laughs> uh, and the Mayfly Project basically mimics the, uh, the life cycle of a Mayfly. Of a Mayfly. So there's five stages. We take our kids who are kids in foster care or who have been adopted out of foster care through kind of this beginning phase of not knowing anything about fly fishing through all the way kind of the adult phase of life of the mayfly where they've learned to be a completely self-sufficient angler. And they do, we do that through mentoring, uh, using fly fishing as a mentoring tool to uh, learn about the local environment, to learn about themselves and how they interact with the environment, how they can heal themselves by being out in nature and, Lots of other really cool, awesome stuff. Um, sometimes that's aquatic entomology. You know, sometimes that's uh, learning about aquatic invasive species. But it's all that stuff that's kind of in their local ecosystem and going on. And uh, we use uh, a fly rod as a tool to kind of get them outside and away from things that they've experienced in their life. Um uh, through no, through no fault of their own. Um, it's just really awesome. It's really cool. And I work with a great team of mentors too, that, you know, this is nothing I do by myself. It's, uh, it's, there's a team here that's assembled that, that really works very hard to provide awesome outings for kids, uh, where they, um, are learning something every time. Yeah. Very, very neat. You want to tell us a little bit more about, uh, your specific program in Boone? Yeah, so we, uh, for the last, let's see, I've been involved since 20, oh, wow, I have to count years now, this might be tough, but about, you know, four or five years now, um, I've been involved in the Boone program, and we've been serving some kids at group homes, uh, so those are, that's one population we serve, and then for the last two years, we've had kids that have been adopted out of foster care, and so we've not only been serving the children, um, but we've also been serving their parents to some degree. So we like the adopted parents to have a, a kind of a stake in the program. So we encourage them to come and listen and watch and participate to some degree. Uh, and on the fifth outing, when we're giving our kids uh, at the end of the, at the, at the end of the project, all the kids get their own fishing gear. So that's kind of a neat thing for, for parents to experience with their kids. And some of the parents who, may not have their own fishing gear, sometimes they receive some of our uh, 
uh, donated rods or things, something like that, that, that we've been given. Uh, so we're, we're encouraging the parents to fish with their kids afterwards. Uh, and on the fifth outing for the last couple of years, we've actually done a float trip for the kids in East Tennessee. And so uh, through, through working with some other guides who are mentors in the program and through working with guides that just wanted to help me out, we've been able to kind of have kind of a big kind of final outing for the kids, which has been really awesome. Yeah, that's really great. And, you know, if folks want to, you know, financially support your work or if they want to point a foster child in your direction, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Sure. So, um, I mean, the absolute best way is to have a personal conversation with me. So, you know, I love talking to people about this. So you can call me um, and uh, I can get my cell phone number. Um, It's 828-964-8581. It's also my business phone number. <laughs> Please leave me a message. Uh, I most likely will not have cell service when you call. But uh, <laughs> I love talking to people. You can leave me a message. Send me a text message. Um, you know, you can you can also look on all of our socials uh, and, you know, kind of hit us up through there as well. But um, the best way is the telephone call. Um, and uh, we'd, I'd love to talk to you, anybody about it. Yeah, and I'll I'll also make a point to kind of drop all the social stuff and all the links in the sure. show notes, and and you can put my you can put my email on there too. That'd be great. So yep. that's uh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I'll I'll take care of all that for you. And Nils, before I let you go this evening, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? I mean, I I think it's just super important to be outside. <laughs> you know, it it is so important for everyone to have some time outside to kind of just to kind of relax and. Um, and, and have a different experience than where you're going today for work um, or where you're going tomorrow for work or what you got to go do with your family. But five minutes outside does wonders for my attitude all the time. And I'm sure it would help everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think truer words were ever spoken. And, you know, I also know, too, <laughs> from uh, talking to you down in Charleston that you've got mm-hmm. some upcoming kind of events and appearances promoting, sure. you know, the Mayfly Project as well as probably your outfitting business. Sure. So uh, what we have coming up um, is a, a casting clinic. We're working actually with uh, the Speckled Trout Outfitters in Blowing Rock. So the Mayfly Project, they're actually donating some money to us. They're doing a casting clinic uh, near the Middle Fork Greenway in Boone this coming weekend. That is um, the 5th, um, and that's coming up. Um, uh, other ways people can support, we have Giving Tuesday coming up, which is always huge for us. Um, so, uh, there'll be a Facebook fundraiser there, which will be on my socials and the Mayfly project socials, um, and Facebook matches money. So that's the great thing, you know, for whatever we raise, for whatever people give, it's matched by Facebook and uh, up to a certain amount. And so the Mayfly project actually does pretty great through that. And that's a national fundraiser. Um, and of course I've got links here. Uh, we're going to do another giving Tuesday for our own local project as well. So, um, you can take a look at my socials for all that. And, um, that's huge for us. You know, we, we, we raise money for our kids directly in our program through that. And, um, it's big. Yeah. And also too, right. If on the, for the national donations, you can Mm -hmm. designate your funds to Boone, correct? You can designate your funds to Boone. There's actually, you can go on our website, on the Mayfly Project website. You can just go to the project location. You can pick the Boone project location and you can donate directly to the project. Um, And so each project's got a page. 
Some of our mentors have a bio up there. She can read a little bit about who we are. I've got a bio up there. Um, it's pretty neat. Um, go look around. Uh, you can, you know, uh, also buy some stuff to make a donation. So there's some great stuff for the national fundraiser. You know, you can buy a T-shirt or a hat. That's really awesome. Um, at our thing on the 5th, we're actually going to have some hats and T-shirts for sale. So you can hit us up out there. If you want one of our awesome logos, which were done by um, our logo t-shirts, which are done by Andrea Larco, um, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And also, too, not to forget, you can you can give your time and you can be a mentor. Right. So we always need mentors. Uh, So one of our one of one of our kind of uh, main things in uh, in the Mayfly project is we always want to make sure that there are two mentors per, per kid. And so. Uh, that keeps us uh, just all transparent and, you know, there's there's just always two people there to help a kid with what we're doing. And so, um, you know, we always need more mentors and um, uh, we've got a great group now, but, you know, n- nothing's forever. So <laughs> we always need new people to come along and we're I'm happy to talk to anybody that wants to come be a mentor. Absolutely. Well, you know, Nils, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your evening because I know if you, when we booked this, you were telling me you've got a guide trip bright and early tomorrow morning. So I really appreciate sure. you taking the time and uh, spending, yeah. spending a little bit of time with me. Well, thank you for having me, Marvin. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Take care. Well, folks, I hope you enjoyed that as much as we enjoyed bringing it to you. And please consider uh, supporting the great work that Nils is doing with the Mayfly Project. The links are in the show notes. Tight lines, everybody.